You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, Purpose to Promise, we walk through the first 11 chapters of Genesis from God's purpose for his creation to his promise to Abraham. So I'm going to be finishing or uh, taking the next step uh, in our Genesis series. Uh, So you can go ahead and turn there to Genesis 2. And we're going to be covering the first three verses. So I'm going to read the first three verses, and then I'm going to pray for us, and we'll, we'll jump right in. Genesis 2, starting in verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. In creation. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. And Lord, it is your declaration of who you are to us. Not just to us, but Lord, who you are completely outside of us, completely external. And I pray, Lord, right now for us that we would hear your word. And that, God, we would be changed. By your Spirit, Lord, you would come and you would change our hearts. You would quicken our hearts to turn where we need to turn, to rejoice where we're not rejoicing, to give thanksgiving where we're not giving thanksgiving. Father, we pray right now that you would open our ears, open our eyes to see your word. I pray that you would anoint my lips and you would anoint our ears to hear your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was given the text. I think I need, maybe need to turn down just a little bit. There you go, Matt. I'll, I'll try to talk a little louder. <laughs> so I was given a text that I feel like um, if there's anybody on earth that could speak to this, I should be the one to speak to this. Uh, because who, who's talking to you today is a recovering workaholic. Now, get that right. I didn't say alcoholic. <laughs> but even if it wasn't alcoholic, we're all aholics of something. We're all idolaters of something. And who's talking to you today is someone who is a workaholic, a recovering workaholic, and a re- comes from a long line of workaholics. Uh, but I, I just want to give you some polls uh, Research published by the U.S. Travel Association suggests that most Americans don't use all their available vacation time and may have a work-martyr complex, they call it, that chains them to the office. The data shows that typical workers who get paid time off use 16 days of vacation per year, even though they're entitled to 21. I say that to say that when we come to a passage of rest, our natural inclination is to several things. The first thing is one from the guy who's talking to you today, which is to work, 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 in whatever our, in whatever our occupation is. The thought process is, if I work really hard, then one day I'll be able to rest on a beach somewhere. Now, that maybe isn't your thought process endgame, but it really is, if you talk to people in your office, that really is their endgame, and that's the American dream. But maybe that's not all of us. Maybe you're like, Daniel, that, that's not me. I'm not someone who, who, who works really hard. Maybe you're like the other extreme where you're desperate to have time off so that you can feel recovered. But 
whichever camp you fall in, it doesn't matter. Because in each of us, there is this desire to work and work and work and work and work. And we see it spiritually. We see it physically. Blaise Pascal, he has this quote. I really like it. He says, nothing is so insufferable to man to be completely at rest as to be completely at rest. Without passions, without business, without diversions, without study, he then feels his nothingness, his forlornness, his insufficiency, his dependence, his weakness, his emptiness. There will immediately arise from the depth of his heart weariness, gloom, sadness, fretfulness, vexation, and despair. I say all that to say that this is the natural heart of us, of your heart, of my heart, of each of our hearts. And, and the, the layout for the sermon, I, I printed it out because I feel like so often it, and when I even hear Christians talk about the Sabbath or we see God's rest, we talk about it in such a way that really focuses more on tradition rather than what the Bible actually says about God's rest. So we're going to start by looking at God's rest. So I labeled this in three different parts, very easy to follow, hopefully. God's rest, Sabbath rest, and Christ rest. And we're going to look first at God's rest. So verse 1 of Genesis 2, we see this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. This passage begins as, as a bookends of sort to the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then we see right here that God finished his, his creation act. The heavens and the earth and every heavenly being which was formed and found throughout the creation were finished. If God is the potter and we are the clay, what we see happening here is God finishing the process of actually creating the clay to continue to work. So we see creation finished. The seventh day stands as the capstone, the, the stone that sits upon all the other stones as the finished piece and that must remain. It stands as the capstone for the creation week. When the Bible says God finished his work, it does not mean that, he, that someone was telling him, okay, Lord, now you can stop. He looked at all of his creation, everything we have seen thus far, and he said, it's done. I want you to just feel the, the weight of what that would mean. We've seen him create the foundations of the world. We've seen him create stars, whole galaxies. Joe has talked about week after week after week creating this. He created man. He created all these things, and he steps back and he says, I'm finished. The creation has been consummated, if you will. To consummate something means to be, it's completed. It has found its wholeness. This is why when we say for marriage that it has been consummated, that means it has been complete in physical union. God stood back and he marveled at his own creation. He stood back and he said, this is perfect. This is what I have created. And if there's a moment we ever see God marveling at himself, it's right here. God created all things and then he stands back and he says, look at what I've done. Like, a, like an artist who would stand and look at his piece, he says, look at all that I have done. And he marvels at it. Adam would have got a picture. He would have seen a pattern for life that says, I have worked six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. So we see in verse 2, though, it says this. I'll read verse 1 as well. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. 
So the second part that I want you to see of God's rest is he ceased from work. And I don't know about you, when, when I was in Sunday school or whatever, I don't know where I even got this idea, but just growing up, I had this picture that, that God really just was tired, right? He was just this sleepy, like, ah, oh, man, I created everything, now it's time for, like, a nap. I don't know. I, maybe that was what I came up with in my childhood mind. It's hard to tell. But Genesis is showing that that's not how God is. The, the word here for rest is not just resting in the sense of sleepy time. It's, re- it's rest in the sense of ceasing something, to stop work. But you may ask, well, how could God stop work? Even Jesus said that to the man who was healed on the Sabbath, my father is working even now as I am working. Though God ceased his creation activity, he was still working. Because everything has always been and always will be held and sustained by the word of his power. He didn't rest because he needed it. He rested to show us something. So we, this, is, this is a moment, anytime you see a biblical passage that's working and working and working and moving and then it slows down, we should really, really take notice of it. So why would God rest like this? God's rest to set out a pattern for humanity to follow. What we have here is a Sabbath principle. Sabbath is another word for Shabbat. The Shabbat is the, is the Hebrew word. What it means just is to rest and to cease but I like the quote that is, is given here. This passage comes on the heels of humans being created and made in the image of God. But one author said this, he said, God is described as resting on the seventh day, but the narrator clearly implies that mankind, made in the divine image, is expected to copy his creator. Indeed, the context implies that a weekly day of rest is as necessary for human survival as sex or food or any such thing. I don't know about you, but I'm guessing your boss did not tell you this week at work, hey, uh, make sure you get a day of rest in. Probably what you probably heard was, was emails or, or text messages of, hey, when is this job going to get done? When's this job going to get done? How's, how's it going to get done? We need to get it done. We have a timeline. When I worked at ABL, that's all it was. <laughs> My boss never checked in and was like, hey, man, are you, you resting well? What did he always say? Hey, is uh, the job done yet? Job done yet? And if we, if we do not see the pattern that God's setting out, we get caught up in what's called a rat race. And a rat race is basically a rat on a wheel that just continues to spin and spin and spin and spin and spin until what? Well, the rat just keeps spinning, I guess, but the wheel for us just flies off. I don't know what happens to it. The seventh day reminds us, though, that God did not work on the seventh day. He rested. Every other day of the week, we see him working, creating, speaking, but on the seventh, he slows down. And there's a sense that we all know in the core of our being that we need rest. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, there is one, but one good, and that is God. Everything else is good when it looks to him and bad when it turns from him. And what I mean by that is that we all know that rest is good. We all know that rest is necessary for human thriving. But we do one of two things with it. We rest for pure, <laughs> just ourselves, and we, we say, okay, I, I need to rest, I need to, and I hear people, I hear Christians all the time say this, oh, today's my Sabbath, so uh, my next question should be to that, well, have you read your Bible yet today? And then they'll say, well, no, 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 but like, football's on, so I need to sit and watch, and sit and consume, so one side is we say with rest, okay, well, we just need to stop and just, just relax, and there's a sense in which that's good, we should do that. 
But the Sabbath was meant for doing what? What did God do here in chapter 2? He stood back and he beheld himself. He stood back and he rested and he looked at all that he had made and he enjoyed it. Rest is a good thing, but our sinful hearts can turn it into a bad thing and a wrong thing and a wicked thing very easily. The second thing I want us to look at, though, is Sabbath rest. What does this word Sabbath mean? So in, in, chapter two, or in verse 2, we see again, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. Again, the word Sabbath is this Hebrew word for Shabbat. In the Jewish mindset, Sabbath was actually on a Saturday, though, unlike what you probably have grown up with, which Sabbath being on, people will say Sabbath is Sunday, is, Sunday is the Sabbath. I hear that so often. Actually, I was telling somebody yesterday what I was preaching on today, and they said, oh yeah, t- tomorrow is my Sabbath. And I was like, well, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but that, that's not the Sabbath. Like, if you mean Sabbath in the sense of rest, then I understand what you're saying. But if you mean Sabbath in the sense of how the Jews understood Sabbath, well, that's not, this, that's not the same day. The first thing we need to understand, though, about the Sabbath is it was blessed. When God blesses his creation, it means that he is granting prosperity and well-being upon it. Notice that it says that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The pattern is God blesses, and then it is holy. So what does it mean to be made holy? To be holy essentially means to be set apart and made separate. This day was not to be considered like any other days of the week. It was a special day, and it was meant to be a special day for the people of Israel. Sabbath was made, the Sabbath was made sacred. The seventh day was set apart as sacred even before the fall. If Adam would have somehow remained in a state of innocence, and the fall never happened, which it did, but just, thought, just a thought process, or a uh, thought, he would have continued to honor the seventh day and keep it as holy. He would have continued to work for six days, and on the seventh day, he would have rested. But unfortunately, we don't know life outside of the fall. Unfortunately, we fell into the fall, and creation went right there with it. As we'll see in the coming weeks, though, God wasn't done with us. God removed Adam and Eve from the garden, and as we see in the book of Genesis, he's moving, the peop- he's moving to a people which is what I want to look at, Israel's rest. Because if we don't understand this, this dynamic for Israel, we'll never understand what the New Testament talks about when it talks about Sabbath. We need to understand this. Is, Israel was a people that God was choosing to make himself known among the world. And I just want you to think for a second. If we were the people of Israel, which we're not, but if we were, they were in the desert for over 40 years. I don't, I don't know how many deserts you've been in. I haven't been in many. But every desert I've ever been in it's pretty hard to live. Life is pretty temporary. Life would have been very hard. Every day would have been about working and surviving, finding food and water for the next day. Yet, God says to them, on the seventh day, every other day of the week, you can work. You can seek after food, but on the seventh day, you rest. I'll provide for you those six days, but on the seventh, you don't do anything. Why? To know that I am holy. To know that I have set it apart. To know what I am like. They were meant to show the world also what God is like. The fourth commandment that God gave his people after the Exodus was in regard to the Sabbath. It was part of the law that the Sabbath was to be regarded as holy. 
Listen to it in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So Israel, even, even within the life of Israel, God has in mind for them, you will keep this day separate. And it goes on to talk about that death would ensue. There's many different things that, that if what happens to people who break the Sabbath, the manner that Israel kept the Sabbath represented how closely they were actually walking with God. And you can trace this pattern all throughout the Old Testament. When they kept the Sabbath, they were walking with God. When they did not keep the Sabbath, they fell away from God. This may seem pretty silly. So you're saying to me that, that just keeping a day and not working on it and regarding it as holy depended on their, relation, depended on their relationship with God? Yeah, basically. <laughs> because when they kept the Sabbath, that meant every day, every, there was one day of the week that they said, we're not going to work. We're not going to provide. Why? Because God provides for us. Because we are under authority. We are not our own. We don't get to choose how it works, God chooses how it works. Now this may seem silly, but the first thing that we see, the Sabbath that was for the people of Israel was meant to do three things. It was meant to be creation celebrated, and we're gonna look at that. Sharon read it this morning in Exodus 31. It says this, this is Moses again, recounting what the, the commandments, and he says, and the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. So this is a sign. God's saying to the people, this is a sign forever between you as a people and me. Of what? That you're my people. The Sabbath was to be kept holy because God had set apart a day to be kept holy. The Sabbath is meant to be a reminder that God was the one who had created them all. Though we have dominion over creation, it is a derived authority. Listen to what one author said. I really liked what he said. He said this. He said, nothing of the other six days recurs as it, is, as it was in the beginning. Indeed, no new physical world is created in the way it happened the other days. No earth, no heaven, no suns, no stars. Everything remains in its order, just as it was created in those days. But on the seventh day, constant, but the seventh day constantly repeats according to his plan and perpetually returns because God always remains in the world to govern it. So all these other six days, not one of them repeats. Every other one, we, we don't see new earths, we don't see new suns, but this one, this day, it repeats. Every seven days. Just like, just like Joe talked about the other week, about how our days, they have an end and they have a beginning. They have an end and they have a beginning. To remind us our finiteness. He's saying that each week is the same way. Each week is to, you're to remember all that God has done. Remember that you are created beings. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh, he rested and was refreshed. When Israel rested on the Sabbath, it showed all the other nations, these people aren't like us. These people don't, because th think about it. Think about how it would be to live in a desert 
that, that your life is literally sustained by how much food you're able to gather. So when people look and they see, what are these people doing? They, they take the one day of the week and they rest. Why are they doing that? Because they know that God is the one who provides for them. So they celebrate creation. The second thing they do is they celebrate salvation. It's salvation celebrated. In Deuteronomy, Moses recounting for the people the law given to them. He says in Deuteronomy 5, 12, he says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant. And he goes on, says the same thing. Every person, even the outsider, was to keep the Sabbath. And then he says in verse 15, you shall remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord commanded for you to keep the Sabbath. So the pattern is this. He's saying, remember that you were slaves. Remember where you were at. And remember that the mighty arm of God himself brought you out of Egypt. They remembered that they were the ones who were led out of slavery and into the promised land. Unlike every other day of creation, day seven concludes with, and there was evening and there was morning. And as the people remember that, that God was the one who created, they're also to remember that God is the one who will save us. When all the other nations come against us, he will be the one who saves us. It was the day of the weeks that was supposed to recenter the people of Israel upon their maker. I like a quote from John Mark Comer, and it's really, really short. And this is where we start to move into, hey, what the heck does this actually have to do with me? <laughs> so stay with me. He says this, attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. So what does this mean? What does this mean for the people of Israel? It meant that they were to take one day and fully commit that day to attending to what? Attending to worship attending to him, resting. When they rested, when they, when they ceased their labor, they're saying, we're going to attend to what God wants us to attend to. The third thing it did for them was it was a covenant sign. This is what it says in Exodus 31, 12 through 13. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Keeping the Sabbath was meant to be a sign for his people that they are his. It was meant to be a sign that said, we are your people and you are our God. When the people did not keep the Sabbath, it was a sign that the people were saying, we are not your people and you are not our God. So now we're moving into, what does this mean for me? Daniel, you've talked for 20 minutes about Israel and the Sabbath and God's rest. Who cares? It matters so much because here's why. Even as I was talking to, to a friend the other day about this, if we think the Sabbath is just sitting back and just relaxing a little bit on a Sunday, we completely miss it. We can completely miss, and I, I hear so many, you all, could, we could all just sit here and recount for an hour of all the stories or all the things we've heard people do. Chick, I almost wore my Chick-fil-A, I told Nate earlier, I almost wore my Chick-fil-A shirt just so I could open it a little bit and be like, look, Chick-fil-A, we all know they're not open on Sunday. And that's not, I'm not to knock Chick-fil-A. But if we do Sabbath, or if we rest, just thinking, okay, we just need to do some, some relaxation. Just stop making that great chicken on Sunday, and that will, that, that's what God wants for us. 
We, can, we completely miss it, friends. We completely miss it. Now, I want to be careful in this next part because I don't want to do what Jesus said in Matthew 5 when he says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. He has not come to abolish the law and the prophets. But in one sense, we do not keep the Sabbath, folks. We do not keep the Sabbath. And if I mean Sabbath, I mean the Old Testament law that was laid out for the people of Israel. Now, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up, I remember one time specifically, and I hope my dad doesn't listen to this message because it might be embarrassing. But there was a moment where my dad asked me, Daniel, can you help us out in the yard? And me, being a zealot, being a zealot of a Christian at the time, I said, no, it's the Sabbath. I don't work on the Sabbath. <laughs> and he looked at me and was just like, all right, and walked back out. And you know, in that moment, I was not keeping the Sabbath. Because in that moment, that day was not just about worshiping God. It was not about resting in Him. It was actually just being about, well, God says not to work, so I'm just not going to work. It had nothing to do with worship. It had nothing to do with Jesus. It had everything to do with me just being obedient to something that I thought was in the Bible. Now, granted, this is in the Bible. There is a Sabbath principle that is brought forward into the New Testament. But what I want us to look at now is Christ's rest. I say all that to say that we need to be really careful not to elevate tradition above what the scriptures say. So here's Christ's rest. I want you to turn real quick to Galatians 3, because this matters. There's so many times in the New Testament and the Old Testament, they keep talking about Sabbath. They keep talking about this conflict between Christians and Jews. Let's listen to why. This is what Paul says in Galatians 3. He says, is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that, been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Here's the thing, friend. The Sabbath was never meant to be what justified us. It was never meant to be what kept us. But as Galatians says, it kept us imprisoned. It kept us as a guardian. He goes on in verse 23 and he says, Now before faith came, in referring to Jesus and faith in him, he says, We were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the, fa until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. The law was merely a guardian to keep the people, to keep the people, to guide them, to direct them, but it was never meant for an end of itself. It was to keep them so that we could one day see Christ's covenant faithfulness. Notice, though, it says that we were guarded until Christ. But he goes back and he says that, and he goes on and he says, but now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, and there is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Here's the, here's the thing, friends. Covenant faithfulness for the Christian, it has nothing to do with Sabbath keeping. It has everything to do with faith in Christ. So the commandment given in Exodus would, does not apply to us in the same way it did to Israel. So you're saying, Daniel, you just talked to me for 30 minutes about just saying that the Sabbath is not on Sunday? And in some ways, yeah. But at the same time, we need to see how the people of Israel understood the Sabbath so that when we see the New Testament, Paul talks about the Sabbath over and over again. And what's he say? Get, get along, friends. 
Get along. You all regard days as different days. Get along. But here's the other thing I want us to see, is the creation celebrated with our rest in Christ. Turn real quick to Hebrews. And we're, just gonna, we're just doing kind of a survey of what the New Testament even says about Sabbath. Hebrews 4, he says this, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of us should have, have seemed to have failed to reach it. The writer of Hebrews is saying that just like the people of God in the wilderness were never able to enter the Sabbath rest, so we should reverently consider entering rest. Now, that is not a call to keep the Sabbath. That's not a call to, okay, well, now I just need to not rest and not pick up my ox in one Sunday. That's not the point. We miss it if that's the point. The writer goes on to explain that the Sabbath rest that God laid forward in the beginning was never fulfilled by the people of Israel in the wilderness. He goes on in verse 4, and he says, For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his work. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying, through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So the issue with Israel, the issue why they would never keep the Sabbath, is that their hearts were wicked, is their hearts were laden with disobedience. And if we as Christians think that just because we keep one day, if we, if we just don't work on Sunday, like Chick-fil-A, which I'm not knocking Chick-fil-A, not, I'm not doing that, but... If we think that is what the point is, we've missed it. It was out of disobedience that the people did not enter, enter God's rest. They kept the Sabbath, they observed the days, but their hearts were not right. Their hearts were still rebellious toward God. And in verse 8, he goes on and he says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So wait, you just... You just talked for however long about the Sabbath rest, and now you're saying, he's saying there is a Sabbath rest. Listen to it. This is what it is. For whoever has entered God's rest has already, has also rested from his works as God did from his. What he's saying is that in Jesus, we find our Sabbath rest. That we no longer have to work to earn God's favor. That we no longer have to work to, and keep the Sabbath to be brought into the people of God. Friends, the Sabbath finds fulfillment and completion in the person and work of Jesus. And the author of Hebrews is saying that there is a Sabbath rest for us, and his name is Jesus. In Christ Jesus, we find true excellency, so much so that we, not, we do not need to look anywhere else. As Augustine said, he said this, he said, You have formed us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. So in the same way as the Old Testament people continued to strive, continued to find rest, they could never find it. Why? Because their hearts were wicked. And you know, there's another way that we find our Sabbath rest in Christ. It's this, is that salvation is celebrated in our, with, our, with our rest in Christ. Just as it was for Israel, that they were to celebrate the Sabbath, to celebrate, to celebrate creation, to celebrate salvation, and to celebrate their covenant union. We do the exact same thing except it, it hinges upon the person and work of Jesus. So Colossians 2, go with me there. He says this, Colossians 2, verse 13, Joe read it. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, 
God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them. So Paul goes on and he says all these great things. Remember the gospel. Remember all that he's done. He's triumphed over us. And this is what he says. Here's his conclusion. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you for, on question of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. He's saying that Christ Jesus is the one. He's the one. He's the one who finds the fulfillment. And he says in verse 17, these are, the sha- these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ that the substance belongs to Christ. So we can look at the shadows and we can, we, can, we can think, oh, the shadows really mean something, and we miss it. We miss the point that our Sabbath rest actually is in Jesus, which is why I quoted earlier that attention is the beginning of devotion. Now you might be like, well, why are you saying this, Daniel? This doesn't make any sense. Why does attention begin with, attention is the beginning of devotion? Because I think there is a response for us as Christians. Because we see that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Because he is the substance. We should rest. Because why? Because God has made us as humans. And he has made us to rest and to mimic him. Which is, brings me to the last point. Which is a response of rest. Now we've gone full circle. We've, got, we've seen God's rest, we've seen Sabbath rest, we've seen what it means for Israel, and now we see what it means for us. We need to be clear that we do not practice the principle out of a heart of fear or out of a heart of dread, but out of a heart of love and joy and peace found in Jesus. And Paul, later on in Galatians, he says this, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature were not God's. And now that you have come to know God, rather than to be known, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons. Friends, if we do that, we completely miss the point. We completely miss that Jesus and him alone is the substance. I love this quote from, uh, I think it's Trumper Longman, he says this. He says, Indeed, the Sabbath is no way better or holier than the rest of the days, if considered in itself. But it is holier when we ourselves are holier on that day. God sanctified the Sabbath, therefore do not, de- do not delight us with holidays or treasure time or leisure time, but so that we might be freed from all our labors to assemble on that day and recall God's blessings with gratitude. Attend to his law and his word, worship him, serve him, and exercise care for our neighbors. So friends, we should, we should look and we should see this is God's pattern, so we should be different. There should, we should not be like the rat race, the rest of the world. We should be a people who every week come and at least once a week stand and marvel at God and his goodness that we would get off the hamster wheel of life and we would say, look at all that you've done. To return, though, to legalistically following the Sabbath just for the sake of following the Sabbath is actually returning to bondage. It is a coming back to place yourself under the law as was done in the past. And Paul talks about it in Romans 
14, he says this to them. He says, therefore, let, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is, is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. He's basically saying that we need to be a people who, who when we are convicted of something, we should not look down on others who are convicted, but we should actually walk in obedience with our convictions. That this thing about the Sabbath, this day about keeping a day that is holy, that we come and we worship God and we rest from our work, that should be something we do. But he's saying that whatever day you pick, if you pick a day, be nice to one another. Be gentle with one another. Don't be judgmental with one another. There's much that we can glean from this. And we can see God and all that he's done, and we can see that we are required to stop and to cease and to do what? To worship him. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.